the true fan is really the person who can still distill through all that muck, right? They can see through all the swamps of Dagobah and still enjoy the original movies for what they are. That's the true fan. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, we're back for Medical Dads. That's right. We're here to create a disturbance in the force. Yes, and I have to say, I've been looking forward to this episode for a long, long time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I think you talked about doing this episode even before we'd agreed that we were going to do a medical-related podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing medical about this episode, actually. So for the people who don't know what they're in for, we're going to talk about Star Wars today. And we're going to give you the medical dad's breakdown of Star Wars as a whole. Not just of the most recent movie, but of the whole series. And we're going to somehow tie this into parenting. (laughs) Oh, there's many issues related to this, to parenting in Star Wars. And if you're one of the listeners out there who is saying to yourself right now, uh, yeah, uh, which one is Star Wars? Is that the (laughs) one with with Spock? (laughs) Then, you know, it might be a good idea for you to just, just stop here. Go back and check out one of the previous episodes that you that you might have missed because this one might not make your personal best of list. I I'm gonna start off this episode though with a little different thing, just to give people a little bit of insight on what it takes to make a podcast episode. And this particular episode, because I'm like a huge Star Wars fan, I've been looking forward to doing this episode for weeks. And basically, we haven't done an episode for a few weeks because it's Christmas break, right? So I had it in my head that you know. January, first Monday, we're going to do this recording and I'm all hyped up, got the notes ready, you know, got the kids stuff packed up for school. Everything's ready. And I'm like, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. So I'll be feeling fresh for this episode. Right. And things started to unravel like in the evening last night, unbeknownst to me, we, we had, we ordered some sushi and my son, he's like digging into the sushi platter, but repeatedly, I don't know how, he found like little bits of wasabi, like <laughs> in certain rolls. So then he would immediately get really thirsty and start downing like a cup of water. Like each time he hit something spicy, he would drink like a cup of water, which is great for hydration. And But at the time, I didn't think about it too much, but bad for his bladder. So then we get into like the middle of the night, like the wee hours and... I think it was like five wee hours, you say (laughs) the wee hours, 530 in the morning. I hear this shuffling around in his room. I'm like, oh, man, what is going on? I go in the room. He's like undressed from the waist down because he's trying to like take care of himself and change. So he'd already wet his pants and his pillow and because he sleeps on the pillow, (laughs) like a body pillow. So which is good because it absorbs the moisture from getting onto the actual bed itself. So now I'm changing him, taking him to the bathroom, cleaning the sheets. It's like 530. I'm like, this podcast is starting in like three and a half hours. I'm wiped out, destroyed. (laughs) So that's what it takes for medical dads to get on the air because we're still here in one piece. Uh, That's right. Yeah, I think the Sith must have been behind that uh, <laughs> that calamity. Oh, so let's t- let's talk about Star Wars a little bit. Yes. All right, 
I'm going to start off and tell you what it was like for me to actually watch this movie because at my age and in my current stage of life as a medical dad, watching a movie is not a straightforward thing, right? <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I rarely ever go to the movie theater. Like, the what is this? This movie was called Rise of the Skywalker. This is like the third movie I've seen in the last four years or five years in the theater. The last movie I saw before this was The Last Jedi. And the last movie I saw before that was Force Awakens. That's it. I've only been to the theater these three times. So so we're not going to do a, a an episode on the Fifty Shades movie trilogy, just Star Wars. That's it. I've only been to the movie theater to see these three movies. And each time it's the same thing because there's actually nobody else that I know well that well, it's, I was about to say there's nobody else I know well that wants to see the movie with me, but that's not entirely true. The real truth is there's nobody else that I know well that I really want to see the movie with. <laughs> you have to explain this. Explain this. Yeah, this this issue comes up all the time because I'll I'll be I'll, in the two or three months leading up to a Star Wars movie, I'll get really excited and I'll start mentioning it to people like Star Wars is coming, Star Wars is coming, and people will be like, oh yeah. I'm a really big fan. I, let's go together. And then I'll immediately, I'll have to quiz them to see like, what is their actual level of fandom? I'm like, well, what did you think of the last movie? What did you think of episode eight? Oh no, we haven't seen episode eight or seven yet. And I'm like, well, if you haven't seen episode seven or eight, what on earth are you going to do seeing episode nine? And why do I need to see it with you? <laughs> Makes no sense. That's, that's bizarre that somebody who hasn't seen the first, like hasn't seen seven and eight would come to you and say like, oh, I'm a big fan. I want to see, I want to see episode nine with you. And that sounds like someone who's just desperate to hang out with you. <laughs> maybe so but as we will see i'm not hanging out with nobody on the day the star wars movies comes out <laughs> i don't watch star wars to make friends <laughs> so on the day this year when the movie came out the movie came out like on a friday actually it came out on thursday night and there's i was like there's no way i can go on thursday night as a responsible parent but friday i'm in clinic so what I can do is I can book off like a segment of time and mark it on my calendar as yeah. meeting and then slip <laughs> off to the movie theater. And this doesn't happen very often, only every two years or so. So I had this whole plan that I was going to go to the movie theater. And I think the movie was starting at like 11.10, right? And I'd be back in the clinic by 2 o'clock. Yeah. And... And the thing is, there's actually almost nobody in the movie theater for this 11 a.m. showing. So if you ever really want to get in quick and like beat the rush, the first day morning show on a weekday is actually not a bad place to be. Yeah. But the problem with it is that like the movie was starting at 11 and then I have this thing where like I hate having to get up to pee in the middle of the movie. So, so you wore a diaper. So I have this vivid memory of seeing like Batman Returns uh -huh. as a kid and having to get up like two times in the middle of that movie to go to the washroom. <laughs> and so like I have this thing when it's a big movie that I'm going to like finish finish drinking like a couple hours before the movie and then just not drink anything the rest of the time to get through the film unscathed. Right. <laughs> so I'm I've already stopped drinking after like 830 that morning because get ready for this thing. And then I show up at the movie theater at 11. And then the mo the problem with the movie is it's going from 11 to 130, which is right over lunch hour. Right. Right. So there's this high chance I'm going to get really, really hungry. So I'm like, in order to not get hungry, I got to buy some food. So I order myself like a poutine and like two slices of pizza and I bring it in a movie theater with me. But I have no drink because I'm determined I'm not going to go to the washroom. And now I'm eating this like extremely salty food in the run up to the movie. Right. It's just disgusting. You're not as alert when you're underhydrated. So were you even enjoying the movie at this point? I don't know, but my mouth felt really, really dry most of the time. But 
But I did not have to get up to go pee, which was the fantastic part of it. You come but, out all all pruned up and like pale. <laughs> you look like uh, Emperor Palpatine as you're coming out of the theater. <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? Like, like this particular movie was is not a movie that you can really enjoy unless you're like fully awake awake because there's stuff happening all the time yeah so i'm sitting there dehydrated eating just salty food which at some point i even stop like i'm like i can't even finish this poutine right just trying to ward off starvation yeah. and try to get through the movie so that i can go back to work in another two hours well you know you know what surgeons do when they have long surgeries right no, I don't know what they do. <laughs> so some of them will take uh, medication, DDAVP. Uh, oh, actually, that's not a bad idea. Maybe for the next round. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so just for, for the listeners, DDAVP is a medication that if you take it, uh, it mimics the hormone in your body that uh, slows down urine production. So you, so you won't have to pee. So there's our medical tie-in for this episode. It's done. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, you should have not only should you have taken DDAVP before seeing the movie, but you should have given some DDAVP to your son the night before the movie just to make sure you're not woken up in the night by a kid who has to pee. Oh man, this is complicated. This is complicated. So not so that now we've got a little bit of a medical tie-in to this whole Star Wars concept. I'm just going to add there was one other medical tie-in I could think of is that as I was walking into the movie theater dehydrated, I see these signs saying that this movie may trigger a seizure or epilepsy. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw and I that. was like, I was like, I don't remember this being in front of other Star Wars movies in the past. But I guess it's probably referring to like later in the movie the the screen starts flashing a lot during the Sith scenes. And maybe that triggered seizures in, in people? I, I was under the assumption that uh, when people discover who Ray's parents really are, uh, they might react negatively and start having a seizure. <laughs> I believe that's called a pseudo-seizure, <laughs> which is what I had. But 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 it's it's actually appalling to me that, that they had to issue this warning and that this movie could trigger seizures in people. Like, to me, if you're going to trigger a seizure in somebody, it better be worth it. Like, this movie was not deserving of this kind of, like, like uh, special attention like he could have easily gotten rid of the flashing lights and i don't think it would have changed anything like there's nothing to be gained by like running the risk of sending children to seizures for this movie yeah this movie was was worth enduring some some transient palpitations maybe or uh, or perhaps a mild heartburn but but kidney damage from dehydration or a full-blown seizure uh, i'm saving that for the next ghostbusters movie but okay, so what was the next, uh, before we dig into uh, what we thought of the last movie in detail, um, let's sort of uh, work through sort of the, the earlier movies and how that relates to parenting. All right. The, uh, the last thing I will say is regarding to the whole medical dad aspect of me watching this movie uh-huh. is that as I was leaving the clinic to go to the movie, one of my friends like starts messaging me. He's like, oh, my kid's got a fever. And I'm like, okay, it's like probably flu season, blah, blah, blah. I'm like heading to the movie theater. I get to the movie theater. She's still messaging me. She's like, should I take the kid to the hospital? Or can you see the kid right now? And I'm like, uh, uh, sure, I can see the kid. But after 2 o'clock, I'm busy right now. <laughs> when the movie ended, I checked my phone. She's like, oh, it's okay. I already went to the emergency room. And I came back. And they said it was just the, it's just the flu. But thanks anyway. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> That's impressive. That's impressive that somebody was able to get to the emergency room and back by the time the movie ended uh, with something that was just a fever. This movie was quite long. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, so we we went. It turned out it was his appendix. It's been removed. And uh, now he's recovering. (laughs) Quiet, quiet. I still want to watch the end credits. (laughs) 
so so let's talk a little bit about star wars in general like as a as a general thing and how it relates to parenting and i think to kick that off i'll tell you like because i'm such a big star wars fan a few years ago i decided i'm gonna make sure my children get to watch star wars with me it's one of my Mm -hmm. parenting goals along with all the other stuff you got to do as a dad so there was like a day where like my daughter had like she was sick at home and yeah. I was like, okay, since you're off at home and I'm home today, we're going to put in the VHS of Star Wars at my parents' house and start watching it. And she rarely gets to watch TV. So when I suggest something like this, she's like really excited, right? Like, I'm going to get to watch Star Wars today. But then like she's at that age, I think she probably was around three. So she probably wasn't really ready for it. And she was uh, like, the wh- we probably watched about 30 minutes. And every two seconds, she's like, I can hear her voice. Daddy, is that the good guy? Is that the bad guy? Is that the good guy? is that the bad guy? And then I'm like, are you okay watching this movie? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Meanwhile, she's like standing and she's starting to shuffle further and further away from the screen. At some point, she's actually like 50 feet from the TV near the stairs, watching the TV at an angle, right? But still watching and asking me who the good guy and the bad guy is. And at some point, like around the time when like, I think they meet Obi-Wan Kenobi for the first time and yeah. Luke gets attacked by the Tusken Raider. I was like, we got to turn this movie off. You're not ready for this yet. <laughs> like if I spoil you on Star Wars now, I'll never get you to watch it later. <laughs> so, but I think she is actually old enough now to watch it. But this actually leads into the first parenting question of Star Wars, which is when is a good age for children to start watching this movie? And my comment is as I'm watching the new movies, I feel like these new movies are not appropriate for children at all. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so knowing that I wanted to watch this most recent one, uh, I needed to watch the, uh, like, refresh myself on episode seven and episode eight. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, as, as most dads with kids can relate to, it's not that easy to find time to just watch a movie, uh, let alone a movie that's over two hours long, let alone two of those uh, in like a short time frame in preparation right. for another movie. Uh, so one way around that is, of course, is to watch the movies with your family or with your kids. So actually all my kids saw uh, the, the Force Awakens uh, and The Last Jedi o- over the recent, uh, over the recent uh, Christmas holiday. Interesting. Yeah, so my youngest daughter is four. And uh, uh, yeah, she seemed to make it through The Force Awakens all right. Uh, there's a certain age almost where it's like they're so young that some of these disturbing things kind of almost go over their head or you can quickly distract them just for that one moment, you know, because like you, you, you've already seen the movie. So, you know, what's about to happen. You know that when uh, someone's about to get uh, impaled on a lightsaber. So that's when you quickly say like, hey, look, is it snowing outside? And they turn their head. <laughs> then they turn back and like, oh, oh, yeah, my mistake, my mistake. Oh, gosh, what happened to that guy? He fell down the pit. I feel like the new ones, though, like especially seven, eight, nine, are uh, just at another level of violence that's a little heavier than the early ones. Like, esp- yeah. like especially if you watch like four, five, six, like those ones from our childhood, those yeah. movies actually are pretty tame. They're kind of weird. Like, there's a little bit of shooting from time to time, but there's long periods of just talking and like it's not overly like fast paced. Whereas yeah. like. Even in the prequels, by the time you, one and two are pretty pretty tame, I think. Only episode three, and I think that's by necessity because he, he's got to become Darth Vader, gets right. a little bit too dark. But these new ones, I feel, 
it's a very excessive like there's there's a lot of violence that just comes up out of nowhere right like even if you watch force awakens right away at the beginning you see like the stormtroopers like are throwing like flame blow torches or something and lighting yeah. things up on fire like this is this is not really the spirit of the original movie so much but but the force awakens doesn't uh doesn't show people getting killed or doesn't show people getting like burned with a blowtorch. Right. Uh, and so if your kids are young, they don't necessarily make the implication that like, oh, they must be using that to, to, to fry somebody. Uh, it's just that scene <laughs> where uh, Ben Kenobi kills uh, Han Solo. Or, or sorry, where where Ben Solo kills Han Solo. Right. Uh, there's that that particular scene. My, I, when I watched that over the break, it actually seemed to affect my oldest child the most, my nine year old, because mm-hmm. uh, she was actually really like engrossed in the movie and able to follow most of the story and stuff. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, later at bedtime, uh, I think her and my wife were talking a little bit about that scene. Like she brought it up. <laughs> So I, I, my thing is I don't think I would actually suggest to my kids to watch the new ones for various reasons, but the violence is part of that equation. Like, I do feel like it's a little bit much. Well, do keep in mind that, uh, you know, within the first 30 minutes of, uh, of the, of like Star Wars, a new hope, like episode four, uh, they go to a Mm -hmm. bar and Obi-Wan Kenobi cuts the arm right off of an alien. And like, they show the arm on the ground like that. That's quite intense. Well, it is true, but that particular scene is not that easy to follow. Like it happens in a split second and you just see like this fried arm <laughs> lying on the ground, which is actually a little bit bloody. Yeah. But in the days, in those days, those props were so mediocre that you could barely tell it's an arm. Like I've probably seen the movie 20 times before I realized what happened in that scene. Well, so I guess that ties to the other thing about when they should be watching Star Wars or at which point. Uh, the problem with the first Star Wars is that because of its age, it does move sort of slowly. So if right. you put like a like a three year old or four year old in front of that, they're not gonna be they're not necessarily gonna be able to watch the whole thing beginning to end and stay engaged. Uh, True. So you do run that risk of like you know I tried to introduce them to Star Wars, they got bored of it. Now they don't want anything to do with it. Uh, but you can <laughs> there's ways to get around that. <laughs> Like you could just like start the movie, but then just sort of skip scenes, right? Right. Because um, they're not going to get the plot anyway. Uh, usually at three, four years of age, they're going to think robots look cool. Even 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 dorky robots like C three PO. Is this a is this like an actual thing that you've observed, or just a theory? Because we were like four or five years old when Star Wars came out, and we all watched it, and we all loved the movie. Like, what's different about today's generation that they can't sit through this anymore? Well, I mean. Uh, you know, you're talking about kids who are used to seeing better special effects than what you're seeing in the original Star Wars, just on what they watch on television. Right? <laughs> um, true, true. So true. that there's that, and like when you think of when you first saw Star Wars, I, I remember I saw the I, my first exposure to seeing a Star Wars movie was actually uh, Return of the Jedi, which I saw in theaters at a mm-hmm. birthday party. So I was about six then when that when that came out. Right. Which is a big difference than watching this thing when you're when you're three or four. Right. But I don't know. I, I have friends like uh, one of my good friends who lives in the neighborhood here has a son who's four years old. And that kid is super into Star Wars. Um, and I don't know, like, uh, if they've actually watched it all together or or what he did to get the kid interested enough to see this Star Wars. But uh, uh, they were telling me this anecdote at Christmas time that they opened all the presents and then. After the kids finished opening the last present, he's got a pile of presents. He says, and now the kid's four right now. He says, but, 
but where's my Millennium Falcon? Where's my Lego <laughs> Millennium Falcon? <laughs> They're like, well, son, you know, we, 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 we didn't get you a Lego Millennium Falcon. <laughs> but, you know, if you really want one that bad, you know, that's an expensive thing. Uh, we could return all these things. You can give away all these other toys uh, and then we can exchange it and get you the Millennium Falcon. And he just says, yeah. Yep, do that. <laughs> and so they did. So then he got his Lego Millennium Falcon. I saw him around New Year's and I asked him, you know, did you get anything good for Christmas? And that's, he said, I got Lego Millennium Falcon. <laughs> so, so this ties into a question that comes up a lot on these like Star Wars discussion groups, which yeah. is what is the actual correct order for you to introduce Star Wars to your child? Well, I would say that the show, uh, the movies were definitely filmed in such a way that it makes them the most sense to watch them in the order that they came out. You mean four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, that's what I would say. However, um, when I think about it, my kids have actually seen them in the order of four, five, six, seven. So they've eight. never seen one, two, three. I tried putting on uh, episode one for them, thinking that because that one is aimed at children, that right. they would be more into that one. Um, but I don't know. They, uh, they weren't in the right mood or something that day because we only got like a few minutes into it. And then they kind of <laughs> wandered off. What do you mean? Not in the right mood to watch one of the worst movies ever made? <laughs> That's right. They weren't high on drugs at the time when we watched it. So, like, I've watched... I, I intend to show them four, five, six, and I may just stop at that point. <laughs> just leave it with that. <laughs> I do like seven, eight, and to some extent nine, but... Again, it's it's they're a little bit too violent and they don't have like the cultural relevance to me that make it worth like this repeated like like uh, affection for. I thought uh, I think I thought seven and eight were really enjoyable movies. And after watching eight again, I actually liked it even more than I did the first time I saw it. Like, I think the first time I saw it, I thought it was good, but I had some like sort of mixed feelings about it. But watching it again, I'm like, it's a really good movie. Seven is only watchable or really relevant to us if we love four, five, six, right? It's like a homecoming for adults. Yeah, I think it's a palate cleanser after the prequel movies. <laughs> right. Eight, so, eight so. is actually a pretty good movie in and of itself. Like, I'm a, I'm a fan of eight. Yeah. But I don't know if these are good enough to be worth, like, adding on to the experience of four, five, six. There's really nothing needed after four, five, six. <laughs> Uh, the problem is, like, I don't know, if it was just four, five, and six and nothing else after that, then that would just be three old movies that, like, <laughs> would, f you know, be fading from history now a little bit. It is true. It is true. I will say that for me at this point in life, uh -huh. the the buildup to the Star Wars movies is actually more fun than the actual movie <laughs> itself, right? Like like the three months or the six months where the trailers are coming out yeah. and I'm watching clips and I'm talking, hyping up the movie to my friends who couldn't care less. Yeah, That is actually more fun than being dehydrated and sitting through <laughs> this gong show of a film on the day it actually comes out. Like when I think back to when I was a kid, I had seen Return of the Jedi in the theaters and thought it was cool and I had seen little bits of Star Wars movies playing on TV, but I wasn't like crazy into Star Wars more so than superheroes and other stuff that I liked when I was a kid. Like mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say I was a bigger Star Wars fan at age sort of six than I was a Gremlins fan, for example. <laughs> uh, but it's more that as I got a bit older, like kind of like 12, 13, whatever. Uh, and then the movies got re-released, so it was easier to watch them all again. Um, uh. that it was like, okay, yeah, now you can sort of watch them all in order, realize that there's a story connecting them. And then in right. those days, they also started to have a lot more of this sort of, uh, 
different magazines and comics and stuff like that that expand a bit on the universe. Right. Uh, and then that's, that's part of what made Star Wars cool was that, you know, there's a lot more backstory than is on the screen. And there's a lot more uh, stuff to that universe than you realize. <laughs> I don't know. I, my experience is a little bit similar to yours, I guess. I, I actually did not really see the movie as a small child either. And there was a period of time where most people have forgotten where Star Wars kind of disappeared from cultural relevance. Like after Return of the Jedi until like the early 90s, there was no new Star Wars products. Like Star Wars had basically ended. George Lucas was tired of the movies. He'd gone on to do like Indiana Jones and other things. And there was nothing new in the Star Wars world. And somewhere in the middle of that, I bought a copy of like the Star Wars, the original novel at a bookstore and I read this and I'm like, this is really outstanding. Like I, this sounds cool. And as I read it, I remembered vaguely, I'm like, I think it's his dad or something like, because, because this had been talked about when we were like, you know, younger, but I didn't really remember. So I remember renting the movies at that point from like jumbo video. And it was like the original VHS cassettes. And then a couple of years after that, because then he announced that he's going to do a prequel and he's going to start releasing he really he re-released the cassettes like in better quality like the thx remastered version and i got those too but there was this period of time where before he did that where i was the only person i knew around me that liked star wars like everyone else had forgotten they were like that what are you talking about like that was the time when like star trek was really popular and everyone in our school like high school was like into star trek and i'm like star trek is garbage like star wars is the thing and i was the only person around me that was into it it's not like now where like everyone and their mom and their and everyone and their grandma is into star wars like there was a period where no one was into it this was just my yeah. thing right so, so that pisses me off even more now when all these people are like i'm a fan i'm a fan like they do not understand what it was like to be a fan in that period where there were no fans well you know if somebody is a real fan then they will recall that there was the uh ewoks made for tv movies do you recall those <laughs> The made-for-TV movies. I think that so my thing about Star Wars since yeah. the beginning is that only the movies are really the thing. Because you're right, there's all these spin-offs, like the books and yeah. the comics. The problem with a lot of that material is that at the beginning, when you haven't seen like any new Star Wars books in like a decade and you read one, you're like, okay, that's cool. By the time you get to like the third or fourth one, you're like, this is really like filling my brain with dreck. Yeah. Like I could go on reading this stuff forever. It's not enhancing my life in any way, shape or form at all. That was the experience I had. So eventually I got to a point where I had to like purposely stop watching anything related to Star Wars other than the movies themselves. Wait, not even the droids and Ewoks cartoon shows. <laughs> yes. I'm aware of the existence of all of these things, but, and that's the thing about Star Wars that really drives me bananas is that, like when a bad Star Wars product comes out now, right? Like, let's say like, you know, like let's say episode eight, people don't like it, right? They're like, oh, Disney has sold out. They're just doing this yeah. for the money. People do not remember that Star Wars historically since 1977 has historically been selling out constantly. Right. Like you could get a Star Wars toothbrush. You could get a Star Wars action figure like 40 years ago. Like this isn't new. This is part of the Star Wars mystique is that they're constantly selling out and that the true fan is really the person who can still distill through all that muck, right? They can see through all the swamps of Dagobah and still enjoy the original movies for what they are. That's the true fan. Yeah, you do sometimes have to disconnect yourself from all the extended media uh, to just appreciate just the movies. Because if you start to sort of say yes. like, 
oh, that movie's good, except for now that I know that C-3PO was actually created by Darth Vader. Like, now that's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so let's talk a little bit about Episode Nine, the movie that just came out. And for people who still haven't seen this movie, there are going to be spoilers in this discussion. We're just going to assume our audience (laughs) wants to know our opinion about the movie. And if you haven't seen it, turn this off and like turn it on a few weeks from now after you've seen it. But let's get into episode okay. nine. So bottom line, Stu, did you like episode nine or not? Uh, I liked it. Um, but that doesn't <laughs> mean, but I don't think it was a masterpiece. <laughs> so I kind of liked it too. So this is, it's a sort of a leading question. Like the movie would have to be really, really horrendous <laughs> for me to say that I hated it or that it was disgusting. The, the guy who drove two hours to see uh, one of the prequel movies when we were in <laughs> medical school. <laughs> It would have to be pretty bad. Like, it'd have to be, like, episode one for me to really dislike it. And even episode one, Phantom Menace, I saw it in the movie theater three times. Like, I had to really convince myself I was right that this was bad. <laughs> I, I When I saw that movie in the theater, I, the day I walked out of the theater, I was like, yeah, that, was, that wasn't bad. Um, it's just that there are certain parts of it that are terrible. But on the whole, it was all right. Um, but then it hasn't really <laughs> sort of... Well, I haven't gone back to watch it recently. So I shouldn't say that it hasn't stood the right. test of time on rewatch, but uh, yeah, like the, the things that bothered me about that movie really started to just like eat away at me after a while. Metachlorians. <laughs> so, so episode nine, I mean, where do we even start with this movie? Well, what, what did you think was good about it? Start with that. So the one thing yeah. that I thought was good about this movie was that near the end when the movie's really wrapping up and then you get to the credits and the movie's finished, I actually felt like I wanted to stay in the movie theater and watch more. Like there was a part of me that was disappointed that this thing was ending and I got to go back to work at that point. (laughs) Right. Like that's how they should have advertised that one. The rise of Skywalker. It's better than being at work on a Friday afternoon. I could have used more like time with the characters and I could have used more time, especially with some of the older characters that they brought back for these, like, like for me, the movie, like, I don't know why, but Han Solo is the guy. Like, when he came back for that scene, like, I love that, right? Like, if we had just have a few more scenes of that, that would have been awesome. Yeah, it's too bad there wasn't a way to make him come back as, as sort of as the real Han Solo. Because he sort of comes back <laughs> as just a memory, right? Like, as a hallucination, essentially. Uh, it's not very clearly explained how he comes back or not, right? Yeah. Like, he, in Star Wars, there's never been a scene where, like, a non-Jedi comes back from the dead. Yeah. Right. So this is a little bit strange. And there's never been a scene in Star Wars where like a person who's not alive appears on the screen as if they are alive. Yeah. Although uh, Ben Solo does say, you know, uh, you're just a memory. And he's like, yeah, but I'm your memory. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe that's the secret of Star Wars all this time is that the most powerful wielder of the force is actually Han Solo. That's why he can fly so well. That's why he knows when to shoot first. And that's why when his force ghost come, comes back, his force ghost doesn't even look like a ghost. It looks like just a solid guy that just comes right back. Well, in the I remember in the old, like the, the thing for me is like, and probably if, if, if I did like a series of talks about Star Wars, it would all be about episode four. Like to me, the original episode four is like, it is a masterpiece of like cinema and like a revolutionary piece of movie making. But I remember as a kid 
one of the nice things about Star Wars was they had like this rivalry between Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, right? right. So there's like this like they're kind of both in love with the princess, and the princess got to pick one. Yeah, like this is a very basic storytelling trope, right? But they did it pretty well, yeah. right? So when it ends and he gets the girl and Luke is the Jedi, like it all fits nicely. My problem with like the new movie is they did away with a lot of these kind of tropes, right? And the new movies are kind of incoherent in a way. Like there's there's no obvious relationships between these characters and even in episode eight they sent the characters on on different missions and now they're going to reconvene as if they're friends but they've barely interacted with each other over the course of these movies like whoever was writing the script they tried to follow like the framework of the original star wars but i feel like they kind of dropped the ball on this aspect of it yeah which is what which is what made the old one so good was the camaraderie of the of the people yeah yeah we could definitely talk more about like the relationships that were sort of developing between the characters and which ones you sort of disappointed in and which ones you thought worked. Right. Uh, so, so to me, my thing is that seven, eight, nine are still enjoyable and nine is still enjoyable insofar as you get to see the familiar characters one more time, right? You yeah. get to see the, you get to see Chewbacca again, yeah. you get to see C3PO again. Like, because I'm such a fan of the old ones, they could just keep wheeling these people out on a gurney every four <laughs> years. I'll watch it again, right? Like, like that's just the thing. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, by the, by the very end, the Phantom Menace will refer to a smell coming from Luke's adult diaper after he accidentally takes a Sith in his pants. <laughs> but to be fair... This, that rule does not hold for everyone. I did not need to see the Emperor again. So to me, one of the big problems with this movie is that they felt this need to bring the Emperor back into it. It's not so much that the Emperor came back, but I th- sort of feel like the way he came back wasn't that, like, just sort of seemed jammed in there. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, uh, I, I, and when I heard, because that was one of the things for this is movies that they didn't want it to be a surprise that the emperor is back. Right. You know, the story isn't built on surprise emperor is back. They tell you that right in the opening crawl. They tell you that even before the before the movies came out, like they in, in all the advertisements that that they want you to know going in. Right. Um, so in my mind, I had actually imagined a scene where the emperor might say something along the lines of like, you know, saying to Luke Skywalker, you know, you think this saga has been your story this has been my story (laughs) because in a way that could work right that episodes one two and three four five and six all actually tell the story of of emperor palpatine from a certain point of view as opposed to the story of uh, of darth vader right which they could have continued in this but the fact that like there's no foreshadowing mentioning or anything like that of him in force awakens and last jedi Right. Uh, so putting him now is kind of one of these things where it's like, yeah, we had no idea this was coming. Like, he, like the writers had no idea. They just, just made that up. I, I feel like he did have an idea. Like I've read somewhere that apparently J.J. Abrams had this in his mind that Rey yeah. would be related to the Emperor. Right. Okay. So, so I feel like it kind of makes sense because she's super powerful and there's nobody has ever been this powerful before. And in that sense, it kind of makes sense. But I feel like they could have dropped a little bit of some foreshadows in like episode seven and eight, right? Like even in the emperor doesn't appear in every star Wars movie, like in a new hope, they mention that the emperor exists, right? But they don't show him. And in five exists very briefly, I think as a hologram image talking to Darth Vader and that's it. Yeah. So I feel like they don't need to make too much mention, but if they have zero mention, then it just feels kind of contrived. Yeah. Cause I mean, 
exactly that in the first three Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time we get to Emperor Strikes Back uh, or Empire Strikes Back, and they and they show a little bit of them, then that builds to this idea of like, whoa, there's someone really bad in the shadows, and when he comes, that's going to be amazing. So then, when you get to Return of the Jedi, you know, you've been all pumped up to see this guy, and you already have it in your mind. He's the he's the big bad, right. real deal. Whereas to not have him in in Force Awakens and not have him in Last Jedi. Uh, from the point of view of showing these movies to my kids, uh, you know, they saw Force Awakens and they saw uh, Last Jedi. And I was, I sort of feel like if I brought them to see Rise of Skywalker, there'd be all this explaining I'd have to do <laughs> to like even get them on an idea of like, yeah, yeah, they remember, remember we saw a long time ago. This Especially if your kids can't read the crawl. Like they're so small, they can't read actually the crawl where they explain this, all these turns. <laughs> That's right. So and then the idea that uh, that Ray was gonna that that he was gonna be Ray's uh, grandfather, right? Uh, so it's like they they decided that the Emperor being in the movie, they didn't want that to be the big surprise. Right. So they they reveal that. But the problem is, what they did want to be the big surprise is who Ray's parents are. Like that's been a a build up over three movies. Right. Um. Uh. And of course, right away, your your mind starts thinking like, well, she could be the daughter of Luke Skywalker. She could be the daughter of Han Solo. Uh, and so once they tell you the emperor's on the table, then immediately you're like, well, then she could be related to the emperor. <laughs> so when that comes a surprise, it's like, oh, like as soon as they tell you the emperor's there, you've seen that coming a mile away. Right. I, so, I'm i a big fan of episode eight. And the way eight ended was that like uh, Ben Solo had taken over the reins. He was the supreme leader of the, em- of the empire, right? Yeah. Which was a new thing in the original star wars darth vader never ascended to become like the ultimate evil he just kind of acted like that right that's right in in the first star wars movie in fact he's sort of taken orders from just one of these admiral guys at the table right so my thing was that for ben solo to become the supreme emperor that opens up so many storytelling opportunities like they could have done so much stuff with this but then immediately in episode nine he gets reset to the role of like i'm just going to be the henchman for this emperor on a life support system and that's it and i'm like that's terrible story writing I'm, I'm a little more forgiving of that because it did seem like ben went into that not as like okay i'm your servant but a little bit more as like you know why should I serve you? And then a little bit of like, uh, you know, well, I, I've got a plan. You know, mm. like he, he, he was his, he, he never really intended to just completely follow the emperor. <laughs> but yeah, maybe for the next movie, they're going to take things a step further. And the opening crawl is just going to say at the beginning, Darth Vader's back. <laughs> Cloning, black magic, CGI. It doesn't matter how it happens. <laughs> the point is we're giving what you want. A whole movie about Darth Vader with a few scenes where his grandson dreams Han Solo back to life. <laughs> and maybe we even throw in Princess Leia's gold bikini. So so what parts of the movie did you like the most? I like seeing C-3PO get a few moments to shine. That, uh, that whole thing about him uh, having the memory of the or the location of the holocron stored in his, in his memory banks. I thought they played that out uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, the reappearance of Han Solo, as you mentioned, and I, I actually thought it was cool that scene where uh, Ben Kenobi uh, is facing off against, I guess, the Knights of Ren, um, and then he reaches behind his back and pulls out the lightsaber. I don't know. I I felt like the Force powers are getting too excessive, like. 
To me, like the original movies, the Jedi have been training for thousands of years to attain these pitiful little skills that they have. And suddenly these two new characters in 789 have these crazy skills that we've never seen before. Seems a little bit much. They're now healing people, bringing them back from the dead, transferring life from one person to another. Like, this is absurd. <laughs> well, see, for me, those are all things that my, that like, you know, decades ago, my imagination had already sort of assumed you could do those sorts of things with the force um but i do agree with the criticism that like why should these guys be able to do it with zero training <laughs> right that that's a bit of the problem that i have with it that even ray even in the force awakens right she's never handled a lightsaber before and she's an expert with a lightsaber like she can take on kylo ren who's presumably training forever <laughs> Well, it only makes sense if she's the granddaughter of the greatest bad guy in the whole history of the universe. <laughs> well, and so that as well. Um, on the one hand, I do feel like um, in terms of explaining, like, how could she be that powerful? Making her the daughter of Palpatine is like, OK, yeah, that that makes sense. But on the other hand, my, I never really thought with Palpatine that his deal was that he was the most powerful wielder of the force ever. Like, that wasn't the sense I had. With that guy, I, I kind of had it more that like he's powerful because he's been training and he's been doing all these things. But that Darth Vader had the ultimate raw power, right? That Darth Vader was the ultimate and, and maybe to some extension, Luke Skywalker had the most force potential of anybody. That's that's, that's just your inference. Actually, it's never shown in the movie that that Darth Vader has that much power. The most power, the most powerful Jedi that's been shown, I believe, is is Samuel Jackson as Mace Windu because he almost destroyed the Emperor. <laughs> that's right. He had the skills to destroy the Emperor. Darth Vader, uh, I think it's, it's, it's heavily implied at the very least that he has the most raw power, like the most raw force because he's got the highest midichlorian count. <laughs> right? his, his midichlorians are off the scale. And he's the only character we know of whose father is the Force <laughs> since his mother had an immaculate conception to have him. Right, right, right. So it's implied that he is the most powerful, but we've never, yeah. we never see it. But certainly his, his, his grandson is now the most powerful. And then Ray. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of like uh, uh, theories and stuff put out there long before these latest movies as to why Darth Vader... Um, never seems to have the power that you expect him to based off of the prequel movies. And some people will say like, you know, you know, when they took off four of his limbs, they essentially like took off almost three quarters of his, uh, of his force power of his midichlorian count. Well, what I had read was that he was using all his force power just to stay alive. At that point. Yeah. Yeah. I'd heard that too. <laughs> With all those sorts of things, then you're a little bit disappointed that like that the greatest force wielders of all time are these like kids who just start doing it with no training at all. So, my, here, let's talk a little bit about the opposite, about what we didn't like about the movie. Was there okay. anything that jumped out at you that you really didn't like, aside from like uh, the Emperor part? You know what jumped out of, me, uh, out of the movie that you didn't like <laughs> when I was watching it? I'm like, oh, Dave's going to not like this. <laughs> Are you talking about the Asian representation of this movie? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I Because I, uh, I remember that we had talked about, uh, we had talked before about the, the previous movie. And... Uh, and about right. the Asian character in that movie. And we'd be like, yeah, but is that the best they could do? And you'd be like, ah, I'll take it. An Asian character, I'll take it. <laughs> 
Yeah, she essentially like we're talking about Kelly Marie Tran and her character. I can't what I can't remember her name off the top of my head. That's by intention. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they wrote her out of this movie completely. Like she was actually the love interest of John Boyega in episode eight. Not so. Uh, now that I've gone back and watched episode eight recently, um, uh, she clearly has a thing for him. But the right. scene where they kiss. Uh, you could, you could, when you watch that scene, she kisses him and he just kind of <laughs> looks kind of stunned. Well, he had just tried to blow up a miniature Death Star by himself <laughs> and was on the verge of death. Yeah, but he definitely had a, he's just not that into you look on his face <laughs> when she launched that kiss. <laughs> Which, talking about things that uh, I'm not sure if kids are ready to see, when my kids were watching that scene in the movie, that was their worst reaction. They, they were able to handle the lightsaber through Han Solo better than that kiss. They're like, oh, God, what's going on? What's that? Now, the thing about her, like, we, we need to spend five minutes on this because the thing about her is that she actually, I, I enjoyed her character in episode eight. Like, she's pretty, like, spunky and seems to take the story in some new direction. And the thing about it that bothers me is that after she was in the movie, uh-huh. like, she got a lot of negative feedback from people, like, online and through trolls online saying that, you know, an Asian person should not be in Star Wars. Like, you're ruining the movie. <laughs> and apparently there was even, like, a time where she she was at a cafe and she overheard the people at the table next to her uh-huh. complaining about her role in the movie. No right? way. And she stood up and was like, that was me, right? Uh-huh. And later she's come out and said that she ended up having to go to therapy to, like, sort of deal with all the negativity yeah. of being in Star Wars. So at the one hand, you get this, like, career-defining break. Right. Especially as, a, like, a person of color in in Hollywood where you don't get these opportunities that much. You finally get on screen and then all these like haters and racists come out. Yeah. So like as as like an Asian Canadian, like I feel strongly in that I have to support her, right? Like there's no question in my mind about this. But then she basically got completely written out of this movie. Yeah. And the only way you can sort of look at it is to say, well, they are listening to the racists and the trolls and just giving the fans what they want. And to me, that's just like a giant like middle finger to like <laughs> to like Asians everywhere. Like that really annoyed me. And I didn't even notice it yeah. at the time until I walked out of the movie theater. I was like, actually, she did nothing. Yeah. Like they threw her in a couple of times. And I've read in this in articles since then uh-huh. that what happened was she did have more scenes, uh-huh. but they were all with Carrie Fisher. And because the dialogue from Carrie Fisher not being alive anymore yeah. didn't work so well yeah. most of those scenes got cut okay. so apparently there are other scenes that exist but that doesn't help us at all so, like honestly so the scene where princess leia is talking with her and saying like so tell me anyway how did an asian person even get into the rebel alliance <laughs> those and then cut. the 20 minute the 20 minute diatribe that, that follows that yeah. Yeah, maybe the the original concept was that she was supposed to inherit Princess Leia's lightsaber. Even if that's not the reason of why she was cut from the movie, like the whole like the negativity and like, you know, and that they're not pandering to the races. It's just hard for us not to feel that that's the case when you see this movie. Like there's even a scene where he like John Boyega is like, come on, we got to go on this mission. She's like, oh, sorry, general's orders. I got to like, oh, help clean this up or something. And it's like terrible. Had the had the actress not been Asian, if that had just been a non-Asian character, was that somebody who you were looking forward to in this movie to be like, oh, yeah, and that character they introduced last time, I can't wait to see what happens with her. <laughs> so, I mean, that to me was definitely one of the one of the main negative points of the movie. But originally the question was, what was your main negative points? <laughs> yeah, okay. 
Well, as we're talking about uh, um, how we view the movie through the lens of our race, um, but being half black myself, uh, to see uh, the John Boyega's character, Finn, uh, become the ultimate chump in the Star Wars universe, right? To be the ultimate, like, well, he's just a good friend. Thank goodness I have that good friend. <laughs> that was a little bit. I thought you were gonna you were gonna say something like okay let's get back to the Asian character again just for one minute here because in the last movie it's implied that she has affection for him right, right. and now they've written her off and then I felt like they replaced her with this token new black woman right at the end and I was right. like why is he with this black woman he's not even interested in her but they had to throw her in there and now I'm like. This has these really weird racial overtones now that only black people can only date other black people, apparently, in the Star Wars universe. Well, it was kind of weird that that character came in there and it's kind of like, what's her purpose? Like, uh, this is the last movie in the trilogy. Why do we need her now suddenly as a character? And, and right. at the end, her I, I don't know if, if actually the whole point of that character is so that Finn has someone to bounce back to or to rebound onto as he realizes that he's got no chance with Ray, or if that character is just someone for Billy D. Williams to, to hook up with as he flies around the Millennium Falcon. So did you hear about, so for people who haven't seen this part or don't remember what we're talking about, there is a scene at the very end when the rebels are celebrating their victory and Billy D. Williams says some creepy comments to this, this woman who's half his age creepy about comments. how like, uh, who are you? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, we're going to find out. And because Billy D. Williams has always come on in Star Wars and Lando comes off as like a womanizer uh, that this, you cannot help but watch that scene and get creeped out that he's sort of almost coming on to her. Right? It makes no sense. Did you hear that the original script actually was different? Right. Uh, well, uh, the original idea is that she's actually his son. Uh, she, he's, his, he's her father, right? She just doesn't know it yet. That's the thing that I read. What I read was that the dialogue was originally him saying, um, who are your parents? And her saying, I don't know. And him saying, let's find out who's your daddy. <laughs> oh, terrible, terrible. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's maybe you heard a variation of that rumor that, yeah, I'm I'm your daddy was misconstrued as that. That's maybe, it maybe. I mean, that scene was equally in in con, like, what is it? Incoherent to me. And just on the tail ends of them wiping out the Asian character and replacing her with this nonsense. Just yeah. drag. Pure drag well, at funny. that point. Because they put her in there, but like, there's no opportunity for her and Finn to get together. Like, I don't think they're going to make another movie with these characters. I, I hope not. I've, I'm done with this series, really. But I will say, okay, that's not entirely true. I do really like the character of Finn. He is the one character that I think really hits a home run in this movie. And the actor does a really good job portraying him. I could have kept watching him, probably. Well, I, I like Kylo Ren. I, I like as much as I like as as much as it's too bad to see the that even in a fantasy world, and this is like sci-fi fantasy. Even in a fantasy world, a guy who looks like Finn cannot get together with a woman who looks like Rey, um, even though that's a hard <laughs> pill to swallow. Uh, like you have to admit that Kylo Ren is just he's just has such a presence. He's just so cool that it just w makes more sense that they'd get together. Really? Like I think he, I would agree with you that he's a really good actor. He does a good job in the movie and he certainly brings something to the Star Wars universe that didn't exist before. But the kissing yeah. scene at the end, like come on, like that is completely uncalled for. It was totally cringeworthy yeah. at that point. <laughs> I I could have done without that kiss. Uh, then leaving some open-endedness that maybe Finn and Ray do like end up with each other. Right. Uh, 
and and you know that's mostly based on I thought they had a sort of a good kind of chemistry in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think I had heard that the two actors are actually friends in real life. That Finn and and uh, Ray in real right. life, those two actors are, are already knew each other and were friends. Right. And that actually the, the the way they tried to play their relationship at the beginning of the movie was that they're supposed to be a little bit more of this like Han Solo Prince Leia thing where they they fight a lot but then get together but then have an attraction. But that when they tried doing it, it just didn't work on film. It just didn't work. So then the director was like, "All right, just like you guys know each other, just act the way you would be around each other." And so that's why they come off as like good friends. Right. But uh, but yeah, I guess that's the problem is that in real life, there's no way that guy's busting out of the friend zone with that girl. And so I think <laughs> that also translates onto screen. Which is fine. They should have just left it with them being friends because she's a Jedi anyways. And then she he could have hooked up with the Asian girl yeah. and they could have gotten rid of Lando's daughter completely. <laughs> and that would have been fine. Although I guess it never felt right quite romantic from the beginning i i was a little disappointed that things fizzled for uh for finn and ray mm. but uh but yeah the, the connection that ray and uh kylo ren had was kind of cool um although the idea that the end that she's kind of like yeah i saw you murder han solo who was like a character i cared a lot about and yes you were directly responsible for that massive device that blew up several planets at the beginning of the force awakens uh, right but um but boy you sure do look good in black and you're tall <laughs> and you got that deep voice so yeah 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 all's forgiven let's make out <laughs> well to be fair he's not wearing all black at the end he's kind of in this like funky like hipster outfit <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> and i suppose he did just bring her back to life so so like I, my thing is, like, if you could redo this whole thing, like, if if I was in charge of the Star Wars universe and someone gave me the keys to this thing, like, everyone thinks they could do a better job than J.J. Abrams, right? But, I, like, for me personally, like, what really works for me is just keep the old characters around, right? Like, I would be happy to see, like, Star Wars, the golden years. Like, that, that's, that's a show, right? Like, you know, like, Golden Girls? <laughs> Yeah, like the four of them older, hanging out. There's nothing major going on in the universe, right? They're kind of on the sidelines, but they still hang out. They're friends. Like, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Star Wars, um, The Force Awakens from its mid-afternoon nap. (laughs) And then putters around and then goes back to sleep. So, like, but... But quite honestly, like if we just kept the old characters around, like I could watch those scenes forever. And it's a bummer to me that they killed off all these characters. I mean, admittedly, like Carrie Fisher died, so they weren't going to be able to make more movies with her anyway. But like if they just had if this, if they just said, OK, we're going to bring back we're going to read we're going to when they announced like Disney was going to make a new Star Wars movie and they just said, we're making a new adventure of Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. And that's it. There's no Ray. There's no young guys. Just these old people like that would have been something. Yeah, like, um, I guess the problem, right, is that uh, by the end of Return of the Jedi, these guys have a happy ending. And, like, we don't really want to see that happy ending significantly ruined, right? Like, you don't end Return of the Jedi on a good feeling and then are happy years later to find out that Leia and Han Solo get divorced. You know, like, that's not good. Or that destroying the Emperor and the Death Star 
none of that amounted to anything that within a few years the emperor was back like that this this is just nonsense yeah what what they should have done is ended it and then if they're going to make a new movie they say okay like 40 years later there's a the galaxy is under a new threat there's like another alien right like the borg have come right and now there's no one else that can save the galaxy except luke skywalker right so it'll be like dark knight returns luke skywalker's back but he needs to take like he needs to take painkillers in between missions because he's so old right that that is what it should have been <laughs> if it was being written by non-fans who are truly respecting the storytelling then really what it should have been is like there's been peace in the galaxy for like hundreds of years, if not like a thousand, and then like a new threat rises from the dark. That's that's probably how it mm-hmm. really should have happened. And like Luke Skywalker and these guys should be more referenced as old legends as opposed to as opposed to anything else. Uh, but that's the problem is that we do want to see these characters, mm-hmm. but then how do you bring them back and put them in an adventure that has real stakes without kind of wrecking like basically the adventure they had before you know? it's you're in an impossible situation and the problem is they need to print money with these movies so <laughs> i th- i think ultimately the movies kind of suffer because they're it's we're in an era where movies are kind of being made by like by committee right the committee sits down and tries to figure out what's going to sell what's going to be what's going to be popular and they're not really doing things from like an artistic vision standpoint so much Whereas, whereas for better or for worse, the original Star Wars movies yeah. was George Lucas's vision, even the bad parts and even like the prequels, like he did it the way he wanted. And if people don't like it, so be it. But that actually is the way art is supposed to be. Indeed. True artists don't say things like our fans don't want to hear us talk about Star Wars <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> Real art comes from a place of podcasting about a movie with so many subtle references that any casual fan will be completely lost and have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Certainly nobody is knocking on our door as medical dads for input, but we're going to offer it anyway of what we feel like the next Star Wars series should be. Like I've read a whole bunch of random articles. Like some articles say that they should just reboot the thing because that's the in thing. And they could just reboot the whole series from start with a new cast, retell it in a better way. So that's one option. That would fail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's what's what it's it's hard enough to live up to fan expectations right now with like new characters having the old characters grandfather you it to actually be like, oh, no, as a new guy being a better Luke Skywalker than the Luke Skywalker you already know and love, <laughs> impossible. I don't know if you if you mean fail by the two like by the sound of printing like two hundred million dollars U.S. Like I take that failure. Like I'm telling you, like when we make these podcast episodes and I'm looking at like how we make them for free and we get nothing in return. Like when the Han Solo movie lost a hundred million dollars worldwide, I f- I feel like we're a hundred million dollars ahead of the Han Solo movie. <laughs> what I'd like to see is a continuation of the droids cartoon, <laughs> which uh, for for. Canadian for fans of Canadiana trivia, uh, I do believe that both the Droids cartoon and the uh, Ewoks cartoon were produced right here in Canada by the Canadian animation company <laughs> Nelvana. Well, there you go. You learned something from this podcast today. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about today? Because I feel like we've covered most of our uh, our takes about this new movie and about Star Wars in general and how it relates to children <laughs> and, and dads. <laughs> Well, now for the second half of our podcast today, we're going to go in-depth analyzing the infamous Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> no, we're not. I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> we're not revisiting this. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, we'll see you in a week with some actual medical content. May the force be with you. 